You are listening to the IMN podcast produced by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. We've asked members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to share how their lives have been blessed by living the gospel of Jesus Christ. To the Savior's request, come follow me, they have all responded, I am in. Doran Rodemaker was born and raised in Boise, Idaho, graduated from Bora High School. He was called to serve in the Australian Melbourne Mission. His mission experience was pivotal in teaching him the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, the joy of service, and the happiness we can experience as we learn to love one another. In January 1979, he married his high school sweetheart, Holly Grant. Together, they have four children, three daughters and one son. Today, they have 14 grandchildren. Brother Rodemaker has served in numerous callings throughout the church, serving in every organization with the exception of the primary. In October of 1979, he joined the staff of the Relier Funeral Chapel, and with his father-in-law as a partner, they purchased the business from Mr. Relier on October 1st, 1982. His father-in-law retired in 1991 and Brother Rodemaker purchased the remaining half of the business from him. As a family, they spend many hours together enjoying boating, wake surfing, and skiing. It's an honor and a privilege for me to be here today to spend a little bit of time with, with you as young adults. I'm, I'm always honored and humbled to be with the youth of the church those who are young men and young women and those who are young adults who are all here today we're grateful for you you inspire me and so many others because of your goodness because the joy you bring into our lives and and the potential that each one of you have as sons and daughters of a loving heavenly father to become exactly what the lord wants you to become you have the potential to do many great things and i know that you're striving every day to do what Heavenly Father would want you to do, and we're grateful for you and, and invite you to continue to do those things that will truly bring happiness and joy in your life. I'm humbled to have some good friends here. Uh, I appreciate President Edwards and, and uh, Brother Knight and Brother Gagnon. Brother Gagnon and I, for a few years, sat next to each other on the High Council. And so we've had wonderful experience together. And Brother Knight was my children's seminary teacher at Bora. For, for quite a while. And they have nothing but admiration and love and respect for Brother Knight, as do I and, and the entire family at our house. So we just think the world of Brother Knight. He is an outstanding teacher and what a blessing he is to you as institute students and seminary students, wherever he teaches. It's a, a great blessing to have him be part of, of the association that we have together as we learn and as we grow and as we strive to become more perfect uh, disciples of the Savior. That's our goal. But I'm grateful that Sister Burke and, and Sister Erickson invited me to be here with you today for a few minutes. I hope that you'll think about uh, what you might want to ask at some point as, as you had that introduction, that you'll feel free to ask any question that you would like as we share some important things in relation to the gospel and my life and some of the events that have occurred in my life. Um, I know that each one of us are very much creatures of habit. We often tend to sit in the same pew at church. We'll associate with the same people every day and every week. And I'm going to shake things up here really quick. I want each of you to stand up and I want you to move from where you're currently seated. 
and go sit by someone that you don't know or that you may want to get to know a little bit better. Go sit by somebody that you don't know. Brenda, you can sit there and we'll come join you. That's it, right? All right, now, you, now that you've moved and you have the opportunity to sit by someone you don't know, I want you to think at some point during this time that we have together today, I want you to think of an honest, sincere compliment that you can offer about the person next to you. Maybe you know them from a class. Maybe they have been a participant in an institute class and have shared uh, special scripture stories, or maybe they have something, you know, they have beautiful eyes or uh, whatever. Now, this, this isn't just a come on to get dates. <laughs> I want you to think of something sincere and honest that you can share as a compliment with the person that's next to you. You'll get to know them better. You'll learn to associate with them again. You'll learn to love them. Now, when I served as a missionary many years ago, that was one of the requirements we had before we would go out and we would begin working. At 10 minutes till 9, we would go out and we would tract, and we would tract many hours each day. And before we would go out to tract, we would have a prayer before we left, and then we had to give a sincere compliment to our companion. And so that's where I learned this from. And so that sincere compliment to the companion, we had to give some time to think about that, because you had to do it every single day. And uh, you can't compliment your companion on his tie every single day. You have to find something else that he did either the day before or at another point in your companionship study or whatever and, and offer sincere compliment. And I promise you that that will change your life if you'll compliment and seek for good in other people. Okay? Now I want to tell you a little bit about many of the miracles that are occurring within the church. Throughout the church there are thousands of people every single day that are experiencing miracles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're experiencing conversion. They're experiencing tremendous blessings in the temple. They're experiencing the opportunity to be taught by full-time missionaries. They're experiencing the peace that the gospel brings as they strive every day to keep the commandments, to follow the counsel and direction of living prophets. And they're experiencing that joy and happiness that can come, which is a miracle in lives. I want to tell you about when I was first born, I was a seven-month gestation baby. So I was born two months early. I weighed two pounds, eight ounces at birth. And I dropped down to about 2.1 pounds. And I was in an isolate incubator at St. Luke's Hospital downtown Boise. My mother devoted her time and energy there every moment of every day. At the time, the bishop who was serving in my parents' ward his name was Morgan Grover, and my dad was not a member of the church at the time, and so she invited their bishop, Morgan Grover, to come to the hospital and gave me a blessing. And he pronounced a blessing that would enable me to, to live my life. And my mother uh, made a promise and a covenant to Heavenly Father at that point in time that if she had the opportunity to raise this little boy, that she would do all that she could to help him to gain a testimony of the gospel. And everything I am, or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. She was a dear, dear soul. She passed away last October after 93 years of mortal existence. 
She had dementia really bad. She'd served a life of faithfulness and obedience. She, I never knew her to do anything wrong, and she was near perfect in my eyes. She served very faithfully. She was a young women's president. She was a stake young women's president, a stake Relief Society president, and during that period of time, that was for many, many years. Sister Burke's father was the stake president, President Collister, and he was the stake president at the time that my mother served as a stake Relief Society president and a stake young women's president for a long, long time. But she was a joy, and I was grateful for all that she did for me. But as I grew up as a little boy, she started to change those prayers. She was wondering if, if I was really going to turn out like she had hoped I would. I was sometimes a little guy that wasn't quite as reverent and nice at church as I should have been. But I want you to know I never did anything really bad. I remember going to primary, and Sister Montgomery was our primary president, and I would be asked to give talks. And at that point in time, I didn't mind giving talks. Now I'm a little bit more fearful of giving talks than I did when I was a little boy. But I remember giving talks, and that helped me to develop my first initial um, opportunity to have faith in my life. Now, every one of us in that pre-mortal existence, we exercised faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first principle, is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we were in that pre-mortal existence, we exercised faith. We wanted to follow the Savior and come to earth and obtain a body, develop faith, and prove to Heavenly Father that we indeed would keep His commandments. And so that's our goal, that's our charge every day. But I'm grateful for the opportunity to spend a little time with you today to talk to you about my youth and some of the things that occurred in my life. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, my father was a convert to the church. He was very analytical. He was a, a certified public accountant and always was analyzing things and had to be proven uh, how various things worked. And so. As we know in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, when the Spirit touches and the Spirit teaches, then the conversion really occurs. The doctrines that are often taught by full-time missionaries and others, they're wonderful doctrine, but the Spirit actually converts. And so it took a, a number of stake missionaries for my dad to join the church, but prior to uh, him joining the church, I was about 11 years old, and well, after we jo he joined the church. Um, about a year after he did, my parents were sealed in the Salt Lake Temple. And at the time that they were sealed in the Salt Lake Temple, I was 11 years old. And I will remember to this day that event in our lives and in the life of our family. Um, we were in the Salt Lake Temple right off of the Celestial Room. On the, on the north side of the Salt Lake Temple Celestial Room, there are very large ceiling rooms. But on the south side, on the east, there's a very small ceiling room and it's right off of the celestial room. And I remember the sealer let my sister and I look into the, to the celestial room when I was 11 and she was 13, and what impact that had on my life at that point in time. It was truly a blessing to be able to feel the influence of the Holy Ghost so strong in that temple, the Lord's house. I want you to know that the temple is a spirit truly of revelation. Revelation comes into our lives as we attend the temple regularly and enjoy the blessings that come from regular temple attendance. Maybe you don't have a temple recommend at this point in time, but you can go to the temple. You can go into the entrance and you can sit in the waiting room and you can feel the blessings of the temple that will come into your life. The principle of revelation is alive and well, and this is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Lord will reveal things to you within His holy temple that you will find in no other place. 
The temple is a place where revelation comes to individuals, whether you have priesthood responsibilities, whether you're a father or a husband, whatever your calling might be in the church, you are entitled to revelation from Heavenly Father. And within the walls of the temple, the Lord reveals things to you that He won't reveal any other place. So if you will go to the temple regularly and feel that influence and that spirit, I promise you that revelation will come into your life and into your home. And you'll be able to feel those whisperings and promptings that the Spirit will bring to you. Now at the time that I became a young man and was ordained to the priesthood and became a deacon and then a teacher, my dad and I had the opportunity to serve as home teaching companions. And my dad was a very, very faithful home teacher. And we were assigned to a family I wanted to tell you about. Uh, this particular family had a young man that was my age and a daughter that was a little bit younger. And they were having a challenge with their activity in the church. And my dad and I started to attend their home and to, to visit with them, but we became their friends. And that was one of the most important things we did was to become their friends. So through invitations to young men's and activities and to church, the son and the daughter started to come with us and we would stop and we would pick them up and we'd bring them to church. And there started to be a change in their home. There started to be the influence of the Spirit in their home. And this young man, he and I became very good friends. Um, he worked in a grocery store and I at that point in time didn't have a job. I was 14 or 15 years old and he invited me to come with him to the grocery store and, and I applied for a job. And so all through high school, he and I both worked at this particular grocery store. We turned in our papers to go on missions at the same time. He was called to Canada and I was called to Australia. And in September of 1976, that was way before all of you were born. You have to remember, I'm very old. And in September of 1976, two months before we entered the mission field, we traveled together he had a Mustang, and he and I traveled to Salt Lake City. And uh, it was a very hot car, and he had a very large sound system. And I remember traveling to Salt Lake on that, uh, I can't remember exactly which day it was. It must have been a Friday. But the next day, we found ourselves in the temple receiving our endowment. And what a tremendous blessing that was. We felt the Spirit like we'd never felt before. And when we left that temple, we were walking about six inches off the ground. And on our way home, it was a time of reflection as to what we just experienced. We turned off the loud music and it never became a part of, of our trip all the way back home. But it had a, a tremendous eternal effect in the lives of these two young men. He went on to serve a mission and so did I. We came home, we got married, we have children. He had two sons and two daughters and all endowed and married in the temple and served missions. And they've had a, a tremendous impact in the lives of the community where they live down in Mesa, Arizona. And, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about my mission experience. In Australia, um, my first mission president, his name was President John Covey. And some of you may have heard of President Stephen Covey or Stephen Covey. He wrote the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And his brother John was just as effective. He was 39 years old when he was called to be a mission president and had nine children. 
and his wife was expecting their 10th child when he was serving as a mission president. And he was extremely dynamic. And he taught us the importance of exact obedience in everything we did. As missionaries, he taught that if we are not willing to be totally and completely obedient, the blessings of Heavenly Father would not be there. We made covenants with the Lord every day. We would tract a lot. And we would make covenants that if we were to go out and teach three or four discussions, that we would wait to eat until we had taught three or four discussions. And I guarantee you, we never went hungry. We made a covenant with the Lord every day that we would do certain things and we would sacrifice certain things. And the blessings of the Lord would come to us as we sacrificed, as in all blessings of the gospel. Now, obedience and sacrifice bring forth the blessings that Heavenly Father has in store for every one of us. Now, being completely obedient is what the Lord desires. Now, can we be perfect in our obedience? No. But we can experience great peace as we strive every day to do what we should be doing and as we overcome weakness. Now, we allowed Heavenly Father to prevail in our lives as missionaries, and we always tried to do what we needed to do every single day and be completely obedient. We had great success. We taught many discussions. We had many baptisms, even though the baptismal rate in Australia was about two per missionary per year. It was a low number, but we had some tremendous success. And I want to tell you about a family that we taught and baptized. They are the War family, and they are originally from England. And uh, they had migrated to Australia, and they had two young children. And these two young children, one it was a, a boy named Graham, and he was about 12, and his younger sister Rachel was about 10 at the time that we were teaching them. But they had tremendous faith with the exception of the father. Ian was his name, Ian and Eileen. And Ian had a challenge because in Australia, everyone gets off work about three o'clock in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon on every corner in Australia, they have these very large pubs. And they would have pubs that were the size of city blocks. And every worker in a town of three and a half million people, when they got off work, everyone would go to the pub and they would do what you do in a pub. And he had a lot of friends and they would do that all the time. So he was quite concerned that if he joined the church, that he wouldn't be able to go to the pub anymore. So he and I would talk about that and I'd say, well, Ian, you can still go to the pub. You probably won't want to after you become a member of the church, but go to the pub and rather than having what you normally drink, have a lemon squash, which is like 7-Up. You have a lemon squash, and I promise you that they will not give you a bad time, that all will be well, that you're going to be happy, and you're going to experience the blessings of the gospel. Heavenly Father will be with you as you do that. And I, I can remember the day that we, after I made him that promise, we went by their home and we were teaching again and committed them to baptism. And he used to always call me Dorn because he knew he wasn't supposed to. He'd, I, he'd always say, hey, Don," And uh, he'd say, Don, I went to the pub, I had a lemon squash, and nobody said a thing. But after he became a member of the church, he was very, very faithful. He served in a bishopric on the high council, stake executive secretary, he's been extremely faithful. His wife's been a Relief Society president, gospel doctrine teacher, very, very faithful. They sacrificed everything they could and, and saved every penny they could to go to the nearest temple, which at that time was in New Zealand. And there they were sealed together as a family for time and all eternity. 
their lives were completely changed because the Savior touched their life. And what a blessing they've been in my life because oh, about nine years after I came home, I had a call from the ward mission leader who was the ward mission leader in the ward at that time, and his name was Brother Windebank. And he called to tell me that their son, who had just completed his mission call and was, well, yeah, he received his call and was entering the MTC in another week. He was killed by a drunk driver while on a bicycle. And they were devastated. And so I've stayed in touch with him. 20 years ago, we went back and visited them, went to, the, went to Australia, and we took our two oldest daughters with us. And on the Saturday that we flew in there, they picked us up at the airport, and we went. We were headed back to the community where they lived, and they said, tonight we're having dinner with the Windebanks, who was the ward mission leader at the time that we were serving there, and tomorrow you're speaking in church. And it's missionary sacrament meeting, and so the, the two full-time missionaries in their ward, and you will be speaking in sacrament meeting. And so I was a little surprised, and so when we went to church, everybody that was in that ward had been there 25 years earlier when I served there as a missionary. And what a joy it was. And they said, now after sacrament meeting, we're all going to head to our house and there will be 40 people over for dinner and they're all people that you taught. And I remember the fulfillment and the joy, the true joy that I felt from the association with those wonderful people, those who we had taught and baptized and had the experiences that we had with them. And I thought to myself that evening, Sunday evening, I said, you know, if I were to die this day, I'd be fulfilled. It would be done. And so that was a tremendous experience. And since that time, they've been over here three or four times, and they spent about three weeks with us. We took them to Palmyra and uh, went to the Sacred Grove. And if you've ever been to the Sacred Grove, it's a tremendous, tremendous experience. If you haven't, I invite you to go. If you go to the Sacred Grove, you'll feel something that you will never feel anyplace else. Outside of the temple, it's one of the most sacred places upon the earth. And there's a little line of demarcation, if anybody knows what that means. When you're outside of the Sacred Grove area, that you've got the Joseph Smith Farm, and, and you kind of walk down this pathway, and then you'll enter into the Sacred Grove. And at that point in time, there is a definite change. There is a spirit and an influence that you will feel that you won't feel anyplace else except for within the walls of the temple. And so as you spend a little time in the Sacred Grove, I invite you to go there at any time that you have the opportunity to go. And then out at the very end, you go out this other way. And when you go out the other way, it's like going back out into the dark and dreary world again. And so it's a tremendous experience. If you have the opportunity to go, I, I highly encourage you to go to the Sacred Grove sometime. Now, my mission experience was a stepping stone to my testimony and the influence of the Spirit that I felt from then on in the rest of my life. Um, as was mentioned in the introduction, I've served in many callings. Every one of them have dealt with gathering Israel. Now, our prophet, seer, and revelator, President Russell M. Nelson, has instructed and taught and edified each one of us on the importance of gathering Israel on both sides of the veil. We have an opportunity now. You've been invited to become an instrument in the hands of the Lord to effectively touch the lives of many people. My career has taken me along that path. Now, I had no desire ever to go into funeral service. It was very much a fearful thing to me. 
I was dating my wife when I was a senior in high school, and she was a junior in high school, and her father was the manager of the funeral home. And there would be days when she would go over to see her father, and I would stay out in the car. It was that foreign to me. I wanted nothing to do with the funeral home. And so I would stay out in the car. She'd go in and see her dad, and and there were times, you know, there was a she would go in and she would see him and talk with him, and she'd come out. And after four or five times of doing that, she talked me into coming in. And so there was this little back door to come into the chapel, and that's generally where the casket would be with someone there. And and she went in, and I said, now if someone's laying in a casket in there, I'm not coming in. And she she fibbed. She went walking through, and there, sure enough, was somebody laying in a casket. And she said, oh, no one's here. And so I went walking through, and oh, there was somebody in a casket. And I was just, oh, boy. But so that was all in high school. And I remember splitting with a missionary one time. And I said, Elder, what do you want to do when you go home? And he said, I want to be a mortician. I said, oh, Elder, how disgusting. Why in the world would you want to do that? And uh, I never heard whether he... Uh, ever follow through with that. But that was very, very far away from my desire. And so I came home. I got in the grocery business again. I had a desire to be into real estate, and so I wanted to go to school and to college. And I was working 75 hours a week at a grocery store, and I couldn't. And so Mr. Relier was in our ward, and he knew of my desire. And Mr. Relier said, why don't you come and work at the mortuary part-time, and you can go to school. And so I did, but I had no desire. I, I would just do yard work and wash cars and those types of things. But the more I got around it, do you know what I began to feel? Take a guess what I began to feel as I was around that. Any comments? Any thoughts? What did I begin to feel while I was there? Felt the Spirit? I did. I felt the Spirit. Every day when we would go to funerals, the gospel of Jesus Christ was taught. And so it was like going to church every day. And so I would go to church every day by going to work every day. And so I got around it a little bit more and more and got involved a little bit more and more and decided that we wanted to go to mortuary school. So we went to mortuary school. I started there October 1st of 1979. So it was 42 years ago. I'm in my 43rd year. I've only had three job applications my entire life. I worked at the grocery store, and then I had another one at the grocery store, and then I kind of got invited to work at the funeral home. I really didn't have to fill out an application. Those are the only three job applications I've ever had to do. And so I started to work at the funeral home, and then in 1982, while I was at school, Mr. Relier called and invited us to, to take over the business for him because he needed to retire. So my father-in-law and I took over October 1st of 1982, and we've been running ever since but it is truly a joy to serve others. That's where the real joy comes, is to help people through the, mon uh, the most difficult days and times of their lives. Um, it's been extremely rewarding in that regard. I go home sometimes completely spent because of dealing with family issues and needs and concerns to help them through this process. And it takes a lot, it takes a lot. The process of, of handling deceased human bodies is a very, very small part of what goes into organizing, planning, and carrying out a funeral service. But there's real joy in meeting the needs, a special need for families in, in a very trying time. We have been blessed. We, we continue to 
accomplish what we need to accomplish. Our goals are being accomplished. Our family has been blessed. Our family experiences great joy by putting Heavenly Father first in our lives. We're uh, striving every day to keep the commandments and do what Heavenly Father wants us to do. We're trying to be productive individuals. We're trying to do the things that will bring about a change in the lives of other people. Now, our prophet has asked us to let God prevail in our lives. If we will totally dedicate our daily activities to what it is that Heavenly Father wants us to do, I promise you, you will receive answers to your prayers, to your concerns, to the challenges that you face. Now, you may look at some people who seem to have everything going very well for them, but I promise you there is no individual or person who is immune to challenges. There are challenges in every home, in every life, and what may be your challenges may be a strength for someone else, and their challenges might be one of your strengths. So as you look at other people, I want to invite you to look at them the way that the Savior looks at them, as a son or daughter of Heavenly Father, who have potential, who are loved, and have tremendous impact to touch the lives of other people. Never look at someone as if they might be better than you are, or they might have more challenges than you have. Always try to remember that the Lord is there to strengthen them and to strengthen you through this entire process of mortality. Let me share with you something that President Nelson said. He said, quote, If you have sincere questions about the gospel or the church, as you choose to let God prevail, you will be led to find and understand the absolute eternal truths that will guide your life and help you stay firmly on the covenant path. When you are faced with temptation, even if the temptation comes when you are exhausted or feeling alone or misunderstood, Imagine the courage you can muster as you choose to let God prevail in your life and as you plead with Him to strengthen you. When your greatest desire is to let God prevail to be part of Israel, so many decisions become easier. So many issues become non-issues. You know how best to groom yourself. You know what to watch and to read, where to spend your time, and with whom to associate. You know what you want to accomplish. You know the kind of person you really want to become." Close quote. I invite you, as the prophet has invited us, to let God prevail in our lives. Then the answers to our concerns and our needs will be completely in focus. We will understand the Lord's will in our life. Have any of you served missions, full-time missions? At that point in your life, wasn't it the greatest decision you ever made? How many desire to go on a mission? Okay. I promise you that if you will prepare yourself to be called to serve as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, He will make you equal to the challenge that you will ever face as a full-time missionary. The gathering of Israel is the most important work that we can be involved in. We can set an example to those that we associate with on a regular basis. We can have the opportunity to have within our sphere of influence individuals placed there that only you can touch. I know that my experience in Australia and since, in the numerous callings where I've served in Gathering Israel, that individuals were placed in my sphere of influence 
that blessed my life and that I had the opportunity to have maybe a very small impact on for good. Things do not happen just by happenstance. They happen because the Lord wants those things to happen in our lives. I know that Heavenly Father leads and directs our lives and has an important part of each one of our efforts and energy every single day. And if we will do just the simple things, if we will remember to pray every day, to read, ponder, and study the scriptures, to read the declarations of prophets and apostles, to read conference talks. Now we have about 10 weeks until general conference. And I invite you to review back to the October conference to the 15 men who we sustain as prophets, seers, and revelators. Please review their talks. I invite you to review them, to make notes of the things that they say, and then for the next week, take those things that they taught you and try to do better in your own life for the few things that they are trying to point out to each one of us. Now, because we only have 10 weeks, you're going to maybe have to overlap some of them because there's 15 men who we sustain as prophets, seers, and revelators. And I invite you to, to review those talks as you prepare for General Conference in April. Every April, as you know, every conference, as you know, our prophet announces temples. And this last time, there were a number of temples that were announced. President Nelson has stated that the only building that's important to the Latter-day Saints is the Holy Temple. And chapels, gymnasiums are not important. We all know that the Home Center Church re, uh, supported uh, initiative is such that, that we can have the gospel taught in our homes, in our lives, as we strive every day to do the Come Follow Me, and as we stutter, study and ponder the words of living prophets and apostles, and we go to support one another when we go to church. We go to strengthen one another and to support each other. We're not there because we're all perfect. We're all striving to do a little bit better and to experience the peace that can come in our lives by being disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I testify to you that He lives, that He is our Savior, our Redeemer, and our Mediator to the Father. I want to, uh, before I close, I want to talk to you a little about my wife and I. Um, we have the calling now as the Boise Coordinating Council FSY representatives. And just so that you maybe understand a little bit, um, there are a number of stakes that make up a coordinating council. And in Boise, there are 10 stakes that Elder Evans presides over, and that's the Boise Coordinating Council. So with those 10 stakes, my wife and I have the opportunity to, to help and to train stake young men and stake young women presidents on the opportunity that all of our youth have to attend uh, FSY, some stakes this summer in 2022 and some stakes next year in 2023. But as young adults, you have the opportunity to apply for and become a counselor to those FSY conferences. You can be a counselor, which is a paid position, and you can be sent anywhere in the United States. And for that period of time that you serve as a counselor, you, all of your room and board is taken care of, your travel. You'll even be compensated and paid for your service. And then you can also uh, serve as an assistant counselor. So we invite you, and I know that President Edwards mentioned to me earlier that 
on the last Sunday of February, uh, Sister Corden, Sister Bonnie Corden, who is the stake young women's president. Yeah, she'll be here. Oh, excuse me, not stake. She's the, she's the general young women's president. She will be here for a fireside. And we invite you to invite your friends and others to become involved in the FSY conferences that will be held this summer and next summer. It will be a tremendous joy to attend and, and very, very faith-promoting and will strengthen your testimonies. And if you get to serve as a counselor, uh, what a blessing that will be that you'll have an impact in the lives of, of our youth. And so I just want to share that with you as an opportunity. Now, I want to close with my testimony. I know that Heavenly Father loves every one of us individually. He is a part of our lives. He knows and understands our needs. He knows our needs before we pray to Him every day. He will answer our prayers. His timing is such that it will be for our best interest. I know that He sent His beloved Son to be our Savior, our Redeemer, and our Mediator to Him. He makes all things possible. His atoning sacrifice brings about the opportunity for every one of us to repent, to overcome challenges and weakness, and to draw near to the Savior each and every day by doing simple things. I testify that living prophets are upon the earth today. I testify that Joseph Smith, the prophet, saw the Father and the Son. I experienced that sacred growth. I have no doubt that the Father and the Son appeared to the boy Joseph and ushered in the dispensation of the fullness of times. I testify to you the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, that we will draw closer to Heavenly Father as we read, ponder, and study that marvelous book, and we can enjoy the influence and spirit as we do so, as we are prayerful. I testify to you the love of Heavenly Father, and I share that in the name of the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen.